Hello and welcome to Rocket's <laughs> Accelerated Geek Conversation. Oh, denied. De- denied. I, wait, what? I We're starting the show and I wanted to hear you say record again in French like you did and then you go and then I didn't hear it. Oh, I and didn't I hear you properly. I thought you were just commenting yes. on what I had done. No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That should be the start every okay. week. Like cool. uh, welcome to Rocket <laughs> Accelerated Geek Conversation. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Trade Coffee. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm Simone de Rochefort, supervising video producer. Let's take it. I don't want new listeners to have to hear me cackling in their ears. Uh, I, I like the intro. I like it. I like it. No, no. You like going. it? This is you what refuse, the you refuse my offer to re-record. I, I, I like it. I like it. All right. Brie likes it. We like it. Staying in. <laughs> I am Smoda Rochefort, supervising video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Brianna Wu, uh, executive director of Rebellion Pack and lover of my bad French accent, notably on the record. <laughs> and Christina Warren, uh, senior developer advocate at GitHub. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. And and honestly, it's not that we love your bad French accent. I mean, we do love that, but we love your laugh, and everyone loves your laugh. Yes, including yes. including that podcast that did did the study on weird laughs that we know for a fact used you, even though you weren't cited we in it. We just know it. Listeners, well, no, because if, you, if, play, if you're no, new you here, played the clip and it was you. It was that's you. what I'm saying. Listeners, if you're new here, NPR, uh, there's an NPR show that did an episode on people with weird laughs. Um, and they played examples. And I swear to God, my mom texted me the podcast and like a timestamp and was like, is this you? And I listened to it and I swear to God. It is legitimately me. And I tweeted at them and they never replied, but it sounds exactly like me. And they have like a laugh expert or something, some kind of psychologist on the podcast. And she was like, literally like, wow, it sounds like this person is, it sounds almost animalistic. Yeah, she, <laughs> she, she didn't even know how to respond. Could, she was like, like, yeah. like you, you literally stumped the laugh expert. Oh. it could also be like let's just open our minds here it could also be a thing scenario where there's like an alien version version of simone de rushford out there somewhere Ooh. and she is out there doing crimes in your name mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. uh eventually so like a multiverse uh, come, yeah oh my god the multiverse yeah, multiverse yeah see simone. that's the thing even if it's not me i've got to find this person oh totally <laughs> i've got to find him uh, this was a couple of years ago, though, so who knows what's happening with that now. We have an exciting show for you tonight. Uh, I am just going to say at the top of the show, as of our recording right now, and I'm sorry, Brianna, I do have to mention it, Elon Musk is rumored to close the deal with Twitter. However, as of right now, 9.18 p.m. on Wednesday, October 26th, it has not been announced reported out like in stone like it's happened it's happened we don't know it's probably happening but we're not talking about it this week because it hasn't happened yet. next week next and we're week. sick of him uh <laughs> so next week yeah 
I, I mean, I just want to be clear. I, I don't mind talking about Elon, but I'm like looking at our future and what's going to happen. He's going to buy it. It's going to be an S show. And like, we're going to have to talk about everything that's going to happen mm-hmm. on Twitter on this show so much in the next four months. Yeah. That any show oh, totally. where we don't have to do that, I think we should take the option. Does that make Absolutely. sense? Absolutely. And there's only so many times that we can be like, well, he's going to do it. We think, and it's going to turn out bad. <laughs> so we're saving ourselves from doing that tonight. Uh, but we'll see you next week for a discussion on how that's gone for us. Uh, however, we did manage to hit some breaking Apple news, which we'll be talking about in topic two today. Uh, we're going to be talking about a Wall Street Journal interview with the great Joanna Stern. Uh, but first, we're going to be talking a little bit about self-driving cars and the general state of them. And finishing it off, as one might expect, if you're familiar with our show, talking about the new Taylor Swift album, Midnight's. Uh, For our Boosties, our subscribers, we have a a little Scamtown update for you. Not like update, but a new Scamtown story. This one from Vanity Fair about a uh, a billionaire con man, uh, the rare... uh, male con con artist <laughs> that we've covered on our show usually we girl boss it up when we talk about our scams and cons exactly. but you know what it's a day <laughs> the boys get one today this one's for the boys <laughs> and it's feminism right that it, we're it just, is we're trying to be we're trying to be fair equal opportunity swindling is what i've always always supported <laughs> as you know i my years my track record my platform is clear Across my years on this show. Uh, you know what else my track record is clear on? Uh, my uh, disbelief in autonomous vehicles. Argo AI is shutting down. Uh, this self-driving car company was founded in 2016 by Google's former head of hardware development for AVs, Brian Selesky, and Peter Rander, who worked on self-driving tech as an engineering lead at Uber. It was backed by Ford and VW, and to Ford and VW... It will return. Uh, to be clear, some employees are unfortunately being completely let go. But according to a statement put out by Argo, there are some employees that are being absorbed back into these investors uh, to continue working on automated driving, but with a focus on driver assistance rather than that full automation that Argo uh, and some other companies have been pursuing. Uh, Ford in an earnings call reported an $827 million net loss in Q3 from its investment in Argo. Uh, The company had previously made inroads into AVs uh, with testing happening in some major cities, including DC and Miami, uh, as well as a planned partnership or planned partnerships, plural with Lyft and Walmart. But it also saw major layoffs uh, this year, as well as, like I said, those losses for its parent company investors. Uh, But it's not the only uh, automated driving company that's struggling in this area, although it is the one that's, you know, been majorly affected most recently. Waymo and Cruise are also pushing back their AV launch deadlines and have dropping stock prices uh, industry-wide along with those continued delays, uh, which is just the kind of the latest in uh, meh-worthy bummer news in the world of AVs, unless you, like me, believe it is a complete waste of time in the first place. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what do y'all make of this? Uh, so we'll get we'll get more into, I guess, the, the nitty-gritty of um, 
AVs and my feelings on them later. But in general, how do you, how did you respond to this story? I know, Christina, you thought it was kind of a bummer that Argo was shutting down. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, I mean, I think it's a bummer, you know, that this, that this, whatever you think about this, I think that it's a bummer when these things happen, right? Like you, you hate to see people have layoffs. Uh, obviously the tech behind Waymo and there were a lot of really smart people there. I think that there was a lot of potential uh, with Argo. My big, and we'll talk more about your qualms with self-driving later on, but like, I actually don't hate it as a concept. And I actually think that this is going to be a reality for us in the future, not in the, you know, figurative, like, oh, it's, it's always, you know, five years away, like not, not in that thing, but you know, um, 20 years from now. Yes. I do think that this is going to be a big part of how people get around. Uh, having said that, like, just because I don't maybe like all of the implementations, and I think we have a ton of structural issues that we need to solve in terms of just infrastructure to make this work. It's disappointing when you see the advances that these companies are making with LIDAR, which to be clear, can't just impact uh, self-driving cars, but a lot of different AI things, right? It can be useful in a lot of different use cases. It's it's sad to see these companies shutting down um, and the losses that they have. But what kind of strikes me beyond that, like obviously feeling sad for you know somebody's business, which doesn't work out and people who are losing their jobs, is that this is... I don't think this would have happened if the economic climate were not what it is. Uh, mm-hmm. The economic climate is bad right now, right? Like we are in a recession, even if it's not officially there. The uh, earnings reports for the most of the big tech companies came out uh, this week and um, stocks are like red right down across the board. Even like Microsoft, like we made money and we beat almost all estimates, but the stock is still down like. Mm-hmm. you know, 20 bucks a share or we something. We should have a weekly, should I look at my 401k? Segment? And the answer is always no. And the answer is, <laughs> yeah. honestly, I'm going to yeah. say this. I don't, I, I think the answer is going to be no until sometime in 2023 at the earliest. I just don't yeah. look I at it. I agree with that. But, I definitely uh, you know, agree. so, so uh, Meta reported their earnings, phew, you know, Google's earnings, not Ooh. good. Like a lot of these things are bad and, and these are the safe companies. So you look at, okay, we basically in the last nine months have erased the previous 18 months of gains. And uh, in 2021, especially, you saw a lot of companies investing big time. But in these, uh, you know, self-driving car companies, a lot of the investments even predated that. And and I think that companies are willing to take the losses as long as they feel like momentum in the economy is good and that things are going in the right direction. When they're not going in the right direction, something that's still a ways off that the tech is interesting, but isn't there yet. And that, you know, there are all kinds of regulatory hurdles that have not even been approached on and you're losing a billion dollars or, you know, 800 and something million that you're having to write off on it. it. Yeah. When you're in tough economic times, this is what happens. But as somebody who cares a lot about innovation, I I'm always sad to see that because you do wonder how much faster could we maybe have reached that next step if things were allowed to continue, not saying Argo would be it, just mm-hmm. just meaning like the the I guess um, the the effect that this will have on on the industry all up. No, a hundred percent. And um, I think I think a lot of people are missing a really important nuance of this story, which is Argo is trying to do it 
right. We've criticized uh, you know, Tesla and the FSD uh, program on this show quite a bit because they're trying to skip steps. You know, they have um, they've gone through and uh, just the way they have the cameras set up. They went for cheap cameras. They don't have lidar. They've mm-hmm. uh, you know broken off with other partners to not work with them. This is a company that was trying to do it right. They weren't trying to go fast. They weren't asking the mass you know, public to be their beta testers. They're trying to do it right. And they missed a 2021 uh, deadline to basically bring out the robo-taxi uh, for a small area. And they just couldn't get money exactly like you said, Christina. So I, I do think this is sad because it just really, it almost verifies, like, if the people doing it right can't uh, succeed, that's really sad for everyone else. There was a story that came out, uh, I believe it was uh, two weeks ago. It was just looking at all the money uh, the industry has thrown at autonomous uh, driving. And it's like billions and billions mm-hmm. of dollars. Um, so this is like a lot of losses at this point. I, I agree with you, Christina. I think it's going to get there eventually. But, uh, you know, in the meantime, it it really is like watching tech companies just flush money down a well. I want to talk about what their backup plan is for this Mm. and why I think it's the direction the industry needs to be going. So they're going to be having uh, those teams focus on level two and level three uh, driving automation systems. So if you think about level one, it's like cruise control. Level four is like what Tesla FSD is trying to be. Uh, and and level five is like full, like safe in an accident, 100% of the mm-hmm. time, no human intervention. So they're focusing on levels two and three. I think this is where they should be. We should really be putting uh, uh, our efforts. Have either of you had the opportunity to try uh, GM Super Cruise before? I have not. Um, I, it's, I haven't used that, yeah. but I've used something that's similar that was like an earlier version of what that became. Uh-huh. So, um, I mean, well, was that good for you, it was. Christina? It was. I mean, it, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's as I mean, as the name says. I mean, it's it's kind of like way better cruise control. Um, yeah. Do you want to explain more about like what what it is and what the difference between levels you know two and three are versus level four? A hundred percent. So Super Cruise, uh, like uh, I drove into downtown Boston today. Most of that is on the highway. It's stop and go traffic. Uh, it's like move around a couple of vehicles at one point. Uh, you know, Super Cruise basically will handle that for you. Like slow lane changes. Uh, you know, stay on one road for a long time. Get around obstacles, things like that. It's not going to like follow a GPS, but as far as like staying on a road and, and getting you there, it, it's a very, very, very good system. And it checks to make sure that you're not on your phone, that your eyes are on the road, mm-hmm. uh, and it will beep at you if you don't do that. <laughs> level three is really going to the next level of, um, you know, like taking over. Uh, well, you have to take over if it's unable to do a task. So it's kind of midway between, uh, you know, automated stay in the lane uh, and, uh, you know, follow a GPS. So what I want to see the tech industry do is really focus all our firepower on that level three, like get that really safe and really able to work, develop a standard set of uh, sensor suites to use 
and, and prove that that's safe. Because once that's really nailed down, the regulatory issues in getting level four open, I think that really will begin to solve itself. So, you know, I just think it's one of these situations where taking a step back and getting the fundamentals really right is the best way to move the tech forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I think I don't disagree with basically what y'all have said. Like it is, as you pointed out, Christina, it it. I don't in general like to see a company shut down. And as you said, Brie, they are attempting to do things correctly. And it's also like, even though they were backed by Ford and VW, it is, I think, a, a disruptor in the space and in, a, in, oh, yeah. in a space that's been, you know, where, where Google is one of the companies that has been making major inroads and they basically own the internet. Um, so I do like to see, to see something like Argo exist. I think where I have kind of ironed out on the automated driving question over the last couple of weeks specifically is I I think it is a fool's errand to pursue that level five of autonomous driving. Um, I think you're totally I totally agree with you, Bree, when you say that we there's so much left to be done in level two and level three. Um, and there's so much use for that as well, even outside the world of cars, like having increased LIDAR technology, it, it can be beneficial in so many places. And pursuing that seems like a worthwhile goal to me. Whereas I I, I won't say that I don't believe that we'll ever reach full autonomous driving because, hey, <laughs> surprising things happen. And we've made in- incredible advances in the technology just in the last few years that we've been doing this podcast. It's, it's become much more real than it was when we first started. That being said, I think what has really uh, put things in perspective for me was th- that Bloomberg story um, from, let me get the writer's name, Max Chafkin, um, in discussion around that, around basically saying like, we can teach the these robots to predict things like somebody crossing the street in a strange manner but there's always the chance that they're not they're they're not going to expect the uh the unpredictability of just regular human behavior and i do think on on a on a personal level i fear going down a road where we try to make the world more navigable for autonomous vehicles and less navigable for human beings and change we're asking human beings to change their behavior for the sake of these of ai that are essentially serving us and i i can't really i can't love that i can't love it um especially when there are so many other areas of transportation technology specifically that I find more valuable than autonomous vehicles, individual vehicles, I think, looking well, at something yeah, like yeah, trains. Yeah, well, well, can I push back on you <laughs> yeah, on that sure. for a second? Okay. So, I mean, on the one hand, I mean, I think that A, it's important that it, this is 
this autonomous stuff is not just going to impact, um, you know, cars. Uh, it, the one of the biggest areas that they really want to focus on is not individual vehicles. It's it's trucking. It, it's trucking containers and shipping containers mm-hmm. and people who historically are going on very specific roads and are are driving usually in kind of you know uh, nutty hours they're, they're, exactly. And they need to do it uh, at ridiculous you know times and and do work schedules that are not good for people. Right. That's yeah. one of the big areas they want to be able to have more of that going. But also this is something that could be applied to trains. In fact, most trains in, in Asia and a lot of other places are autonomous to a certain degree. That's right? exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. So, if, so if, I, but so I, so my point is, I think that, that this, I think is that pursuit could, could go, um, you know, obviously beyond this, but I think that to the other, to your other point about saying that humans are having to change their behavior to adapt to the, to the machines. Okay. But that's our whole experience as humans, right? We've already had to do that with cars. Like cars have already fundamentally changed how we work. All we have to do is go to Europe and see how much cars have impacted that. So I don't, I don't buy that as like a, an argument because I, well, I don't think, see, I don't think the thing, diesel Christina, cars are, are any, are I don't any better. like cars. <laughs> I don't, look, I, I don't either, but, but I think we have to, exp- I think we have to like face reality, which is that we are not going to have mass public transit in the United States of America ever. That's never going I, to happen. I believe never going to happen. I think that you're correct. However, I will not stop believing in it and advocating for it. Sure. But I think we I can was do just both. listening to an episode of 99% Invisible the other week about, um, the Netflix show. Oh my God, what's it called? The one where the cute Japanese kids run errands. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. old enough. Yeah, and they uh, basically. So the show Old Enough is about um, asking you know Japanese toddlers to run an errand to the grocery store or whatever. Uh, it's very cute, uh, as they point out on the ninety nine percent invisible episode. Generally in Japan, you wouldn't ask a kid that young to run an errand alone, but a lot of Japanese kids like age six and up do, you know, walk to school in groups of kids or they will run errands to the store, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not necessarily just a cultural thing, as they point out on the wonderful show 99% Invisible, which is all about design. But it's also because of the way that Japanese roads are designed and the way that car culture exists in Japan, which is essentially like it's a country with very few sidewalks, which means drivers are used to dealing with pedestrians and needing to be cautious of them in a way that in our country they aren't because we have sidewalks it's kind of counterintuitive and we have tons of space right yeah. like 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 we we, we the, the amount of you know the the de- the population density is so different in our country versus many other parts of the world that yeah i think that that makes cars a necessity in ways that it is in other places and it makes it hard um, I mean, look, I, I don't drive. It's true. But what I'm saying is that car culture, prioritizing the car over the person is not necessarily a predestined thing. And also, even in a country where I do agree that, like, we need cars, like in a lot of our cities, we are very to. spread out. They, you have to have a car. You can't just rely on the bus or the train, et cetera, et cetera. That being said, prioritizing vehicles over pedestrians, even in places like that, is not a given. It's a choice. And I'm I just think that treating cars and the prioritization of them as a complete inevitability rather than looking at, okay, how can we have cars, but also make sure that they are not that that they are serving us rather than us. But but don't you think but you don't think that's what this is doing? Like like this is this is what I don't understand. I don't understand why simply having like 
infrastructure set up so that these things can be safer and more efficient and get people to places without having to sit in traffic all the time and having to waste a lot of a lot of energy because uh, you know electric goes along with a lot of this too because it's not as if these are going to be self-driving diesel vehicles right these are going to be electric mm-hmm. vehicles I, I don't understand I guess for me the disconnect that says that just because we're making the systems so that they are are more efficient the same way when you add in a highway into a street now and and you add on ramps and you add safety things. A a, a traffic light finally went up in my neighborhood where I was hit by a car crossing the street four years, almost five years ago. We finally now have an actual, you know, a traffic light. Um, It only took forever, right? It's only, you know, four lane road, right? Like having those things there, I think is, is a good thing. I just don't see things being moved to a place where autonomous vehicles, which look, I'm sorry, I do think it's an inevitability, maybe not like the full on where it's the only thing we have, but it's going to be part of the future. I don't think that conceding that and making things work with that means that we're not still prioritizing humans first and that we couldn't still be doing things uh, around other alternative forms of transportation. I agree, I agree but I yeah. don't, I, the, I don't see humans being prioritized necessarily in it. I think, yeah, for me, I I think of all of us here. I'm the one that loves driving the yeah. most, and you know i I am a huge proponent of public transportation, just purely out of selfishness. Um, if you look at pictures of roads in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. It's 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 the population, the number of people driving just keeps going up and going up and going up and going up to the point where you can look at a picture of somebody uh, you're driving like a first generation Mustang uh, and there's just barely any cars around. And no wonder that's where the love of driving came, because it was in an era where it wasn't just standstill traffic all the time. So. Um, you know, I'm 100% with you, Simone. I want to see us like massively invest in that. I also, you know, as somebody that grew up in Mississippi, I just got to tell you, like this, this dream that a lot of, not talking about you, but a lot of liberals have of a future where like no one owns a car and everyone gets everywhere by public transportation. You're never, you're never going to get dudes in the South to give up their cars. You're just not. It's a liberal dream. Mm-hmm. You don't understand the culture. You, you, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a fantasy. Well, and, and for so, a lot of people, I, cars yeah. represent freedom, right? And, and I think that if anything, like for me, I don't like to drive. I don't enjoy it. But the thing that is somewhat attractive about autonomous vehicles to me, and I don't know how old I'll be when this finally happens. I mean, okay, we, we all know I'll be 29 because I'm 29 forever. But like, I, <laughs> yes. you know, I, I, I don't know like what that will be, but I, I'm not going to be upset by the idea that I could, enjoy the freedom that comes with being in a car without having to actually do the act of driving it, right? Because there's there's freedom that's involved that I'm sorry, you can't get and I, I take public transit every single day and and I'm a big proponent of it, but it, that's not it's not going to work in all areas. It's cert, it's not going to work in this country. And there's the freedom aspect that that I, I do feel like we sometimes miss when we you know, uh, I think sometimes downplay car culture. Yeah, people love their cars, but the reason they love them is because it gives them the freedom to go where they want to go and and not be yeah. on a schedule that is dictated by their things, to have to walk a certain period of distance to a bus and take a schedule and, and do things in that way. But furthermore, if we had more autonomous vehicles, if we had autonomous buses, which I think would be great, maybe we could have more routes, right? Maybe we could have, you know, um, uh, more frequent stops and and go places that might not otherwise be reached because rather than having to, 
you know, um, uh, staff that and and have the longevity of amount of time, you know, getting buses to run, you know, overnight, even in New York City is very rare. Being able to have that sort of uh, flexibility could be good. And the, just plain devil's advocate. Can I've always wanted to ask you, Christina, why don't you have a driver's license? I've never I, understood that. I, I have like, I, I get like massive anxiety driving. I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. And it sucks because I would have so much more freedom in my life if I did, but I don't like it. I mean, I my dream is wow. honestly to have enough money that I can own my own car and have a driver that I basically employ to kind of be, you know, on demand when I need it. That's, that's, that's my dream. I wonder if this is true of other people as well, but I feel like I, I know a surprising amount of people who are in that exact same boat, not, not where they want to have their own private driver, but who just either who don't know how to drive and specifically because it, it, it just, it doesn't work in their lives. Yeah. I just I feel like statistically anxiety. a lot of my friends are in yeah. that same boat and I, yeah. I, I wonder if I'm it's alone. increased. Yeah. No, you're not. It's interesting. I was I did a thing with Ford about, uh, you know, uh, 10 years ago now, and they were very concerned with the how late um, the rising age of kids getting the driver's license. Mm-hmm. And, wow. and that, that trend has only continued. And, and, and that was even before the rise of Uber and Lyft. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I talked to a lot of like, you know, people who are, you know, your age younger. It's it's definitely a growing thing where people even in places where you, you know, presumably need a car like Los Angeles. I know people who live in Los Angeles who don't have a car, um, but get everywhere, you know, on, on Uber or Lyft or, or, or friends or other things and, you know, survive just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that that I'm not like encouraging that. Like, honestly, if you live in Los Angeles, you, you need to, to drive, but, um, or, or have like a, a private driver, but, um, yeah, it, it's not, uh, it's, it's interesting. There's, there's been a, a shift probably in the last, you know, uh, definitely the last decade, it's increased. But even a decade ago, Ford was concerned about it because they saw the data. So it's probably 15 years. For my Boxster back in the 90s, when the first generation Boxster came out, that trend was starting. And one of the most astonishing uh, commercials you'll ever see in your life is Jean-Luc Picard, uh, you know, coming out and narrating the commercial for the first Boxster. He's talking about, remember when cars represented freedom and we would go somewhere new and we would be new to everyone? Like, that was the start of that trend. And I really do think, like, my generation was, I, I think the smartphone and the internet changed so much of this because for me, you know, getting that driver's license was about being able to get the frack away from my family and go (laughs) have experiences with friends without my stupid parents or adults around. And then what did we do? We went out, picked locks uh, to a a pit where they were um, like uh, breaking down all the trees and turning into lumber. And we get drunk and make bonfires and learn to operate all the the heavy machinery. That's the American (laughs) dream. Right. But I'm saying I mean, I, th- I, think, was, I think that literally that is was, like 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 American graffiti. Yeah. Well, totally. 100. I swear to God that I've never seen that movie, but that's what we did. But for me, like that was freedom. For I think I think that's a freedom that your average, uh, you know, like like preteen has today. Like you can go talk to your friends on Snapchat and nobody will know. Right. So I right, think, and, and you can and you yeah. can get an Uber to take you someplace. Like in 100%. my case, I'll also, I'll also be totally honest. I had a car. I didn't want to drive it. So my friends drove it for me. So it was like, honestly, it was fantastic. God, I'm thinking about this. It's still, I'm still so 
Because I, so I feel like another side effect of this technology, which to, to clarify my argument, I think a lot of the side effects of the research into AVs are beneficial. Like everything you've said about automated transportation, I completely agree with. I think there's probably also an accessibility angle to it as well. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, speaking now of like, say, teenagers getting their driver's licenses, a side effect of this as well could potentially be like having let allowing your parents to track your location in your car. Oh, yeah. yeah. On the same way that oh, they yeah. do on which mobile they devices. Do. Yeah, yeah. In which a way which do. doesn't happen in your 1988 oh, no. oh, no. Toyota Tercel. <laughs> yeah, except except now you have a phone where you have Find My on it, and many parents will put uh, yeah. an air, uh, you know, an air tag or a tracking beacon. I mean, that look that that ship has sailed. If your parents want to track you, you know, anybody wants to track you. Unfortunately, yeah. that's a reality. But you're right; that could be a thing. I think maybe the bigger concern, and, and and this is me arguing against. I mean, look, I'm in favor of like bring on the robot cars, do it. But there is this thing. Did you guys read that article a few months ago about the fact, like, you know, college professors talking about how kids don't know how to read cursive anymore. Yeah. And also the motor skills for toddlers yeah. and stuff who are using right. tablets and smartphones. Yeah. And 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 look, I mean, and I think that's valid. And look, I think you should probably know how to read cursive because you need to read historical documents. But God only knows I'm certainly not going to um, do uh, – I'm not going to like um, – write in longhand. I'm just not going to do it, right? Like, I'm not going to write, period, if I can help it. But I'm certainly not going to write in cursive, other than my signature, which is very messy. Mm-hmm. But you do, you do wonder, like, okay, what skills are people losing when we give this stuff up, right? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I think I, I will allow myself to go on a bit of a tangent here. The cursive, the cursive thing is interesting to me. I also, I, I think it's quite easy to teach oneself how to read a language. So I'm not, like, totally... I, I don't think I don't see that becoming a lost art just because if if you want to oh, learn cursive, it's pretty easy to learn it. Um, oh no, I it, is I'm just yeah, saying, it is an interesting. I, I'm, point, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying these are these things you lose, and like, look, and I think you could teach kids to read cursive without having to make them write it, which is stupid for anybody in this day and age to do, in my opinion. Also, I grew up writing cursive and no longer remember how. <laughs> <laughs> I can read it though. <laughs> do either of you remember how to write in cursive? Oh yeah, there are just some I mean, letters that I've complete, like the um, freaking I mean, muscle memory would probably come back. But yeah, honestly, I I usually printed anyway. Like you know, we would have to for some things write in cursive, and I would usually try to negotiate with the teacher. I'm like, look, can I Please. just print this instead? <laughs> like I I know how to do my letter forms. I get what you're trying to do here, but I can write so much faster if I print. Um, and and usually I would. I would, I was successful, but yeah, I don't know. There are some things I think I probably remember the Palm pilot language more than I do cursive. I'm I'm being honest. (laughs) Yeah. I guess, I guess my final say on this before we move on is just that I, I think we as consumers should always be alert to what sacrifices we're being asked to make, uh, to ensure the success of technology. And that's just something that's on my mind. I I just want to have like a gorgeous roadster and be able to enjoy it uh, without wall to wall traffic. I really mean this. I sometimes get up at three a.m. and go for for backwood roads drives because it's the only time it's not terrible. And yeah, there are times I'm stuck in traffic and like the logic of owning a Porsche. Um, it's like, why are you doing this, Brianna? You're barely got like like can't use anything you're paying for (laughs) like like it's 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 the problem is getting worse because our roads are so underfunded and Mm -hmm. you know we can't just keep 
adding, uh, you know, infinitely to our infrastructure, especially if we're talking about climate change. You know, there's a, I, I think most people don't understand the environmental impact of, of asphalt and how much EVs, when they're heavier, how much they damage asphalt in a way my little 2,500-pound car doesn't. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it it's clear to me, like, from a like, individual, like, element – I really get that. I want autonomous taxis, uh, you know, like all that technology. That's great. I think that's part of the solution. But I think if we're really serious about making sure the economy in the United States is ready for the next century, at some point, we're going to have to make real big boy investments in our infrastructure. And it, mm-hmm. it's going to be rail. It's going to be Boston having an actual tea that that doesn't catch on fire. It's going to be you know, <laughs> fixing the New York subway, which I'm sorry, y'all, it's an S show. Yep. It's terrible. Right now it is. Yeah, yeah. it has been for the last five years. It's You're pretty a visionary. Bad. A tea that doesn't catch on fire. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Trade Coffee. Going to a coffee shop is a great experience, but it's not something that most of us can do every single day. If you're looking for that delicious local coffee shop taste on a daily basis, it is so much easier to get it with Trade Coffee. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service that makes it so simple for you to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home every day. No fancy equipment required. Only the fancy equipment that you may already have. Trade partners with the nation's top-rated independent roasters to send you coffee that they know you'll love. It'll be sent to your home on your preferred schedule. Plus, you get to support small local businesses, which is a win-win. Whether you already know what you like or are new to specialty coffee and need some help, Trade makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffees. They'll send you ground or whole beans, uh, ground for however you make your coffee at home. So if you do have, if you've got your little like drip thing that you love, get, get an order that's specialized for that. If you've got a coffee maker like me, that's just your basic American coffee maker that makes you a cup of coffee. Uh, I, I get my beans for that. Um, and they are delicious. Um, so basically, uh, I, I love, I've subscribed to trade for, oh gosh, it's been a few months now. They started off, they sent me like a few samples of bags. Um, and then I was like, dope, this is great. I love having the coffee arrive at the top of the month and smelling it in my mailbox, uh, which I do because it's pungent. <laughs> I- I've fallen into a wonderful routine of just like these roasty, smoky, dark roasts. Um, and it's just, it's very fun for me to unbox Are, are them you at the top out of the there month. in front of your mailbox? Like, like all everybody's looking at you and you're just like, <laughs> just whipping. <laughs> my roommate will like if she gets the mail she'll come in and be like i think your coffee is here because <laughs> she can smell it <laughs> um whether you are just getting started or a coffee or whether you're a coffee aficionado looking to discover something new trade guarantees you'll love your first bag or else or else they'll send you a new one for free upgrade your coffee today with trade coffee and let them take the guesswork out of finding your perfect cup Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your subscription plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash rocket. That is D-R-I-N-K-T-R-A-D-E dot com slash rocket for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. 
drinktrade.com slash rockets. Our thanks to Trade Coffee for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Well, 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 we have to say a eulogy here on Rocket for the lightning cable. She is dying. In an interview with Joanna Stern at Wall Street Journal, uh, Greg and Craig of Apple (laughs) said uh, that future iPhones will be USB-C powered rather than lightning. Apparently, EU regulations are going to require that new phones, tablets, and cameras use USB-C by the end of 2024. That means either the iPhone 15 or the iPhone 16 will be the first to charge via USB-C. Apple said that they have no choice in the matter, although uh, in the interview, they sounded like they were unhappy with it. Fair enough. Uh, Lightning is has been their the Apple proprietary jack for as long as I've owned an Apple device. Um, as long as many of us have, it is uh, a lovely Ooh. little ovular port. Um, many Lightning cables are becoming redundant, however, uh, so I can imagine a lot of Apple users being potentially upset about that, but also potentially like, oh, yay, I can cut down on the number of different cables I need, uh, which in the long run will create less e-waste. But it is kind of a a, a, a bummer. It, it, it's both a bummer and also a, okay, finally. <laughs> uh, there's a question, I think, of what happens when the next universal standard develops, because yeah. USB-C, I mean, it's pretty yeah. ubiquitous now, but what are we going to do in 10 years? <laughs> what do y'all think about this? Yeah, I, this is why I hate it. This is yeah. this is why this is why I'm I'm uh, utterly opposed to what the EU uh, strong arm people here uh, and and people on Twitter keep like getting mad at me about this and like look I get it. Part of my take on this is that even though I am a you know uh, left leaning American, I am still an American, which means <laughs> that my view on regulation is going to always be to the right of of anybody in Europe, right? Because I, I'm going, which means I'm going to be against regulation uh, more than than people in Europe. I mean, I'm I'm being like I, I'm making generalizations here, but I don't think that these are wrong generalizations on the whole. Like, I, I think that stereotypes exist for a reason, and I think this is a, a fairly accurate one. Uh, obviously, it doesn't apply to all people, but you know, as Americans, like we are just conditioned, like our culture is such that we don't like people telling us what we can and can't do. And we don't like people telling us making determinations about like what type of cable has to exist on the phone. Like I'm fine if you want to say that the charging brick that comes in the box, which incidentally Apple doesn't even include anymore because they're cheapskates and it's <laughs> stupid and they claim that they're saving the environment. And it's not about saving the environment. It's about saving 20 bucks that they can then charge you for this stupid thing. Anyway, you know, but they, they they say that like you know it, like if you wanted to say okay the charging cables that come in the box have to be of a certain type, fine. Then you can get a lightning to USB cable or whatever the case may be. But I have a massive problem when it is not a regular regulatory thing like a you know for for safety reasons or for anything else where you're saying yeah this is the connector type we've decided on. And if you want to use a different type, well, then you're going to have to petition us and our body of bureaucrats who literally are like a standards body. We were the most insufferable people in the world will argue about this and then decide whether or not we allow this to happen. And the reason I say this is because Europe tried to do this. The EU tried to do this back in like 2009, 2010 with micro USB, if you remember that. And 
Apple, they were not successful. And so Apple, you know, never adopted that. The reason that Apple didn't use micro USB and the reason they created the lightning cable in 2003, I want to say, was because they needed a cable that could transmit both power and video. So they had to, and and at this point too, they were also using both USB and FireWire potentially, like as as the connecting mechanism to the um, uh, computer where you would sync your iPod back in the day. But the the actual for for their accessories because they wanted people to be able to dock things and do other things with them. The amounts of of technology you could do with USB two back then uh, was not enough, and so they had to create a thirty pin cable. With the iPhone, they obviously continued that because of the accessories. And when they created Lightning, it was again, okay, we want something that is smaller, that is going to be reversible, that can carry both power and video, that can pe- carry data and power and, and do all these things um, that standard micro USB could not do. And that was what wound up then becoming, in large part, the basis for USB-C. Mm-hmm. That, that that technology was then donated and 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 given you know the patents were like given over um, when the IEEE was doing the the USB spec. So <sighs> you know if the EU had had their way a decade ago, we would all be potentially using micro USB and not getting <laughs> the benefits of fast charging and other stuff. And so I I'm glad that the next iPhone will be USB C. It's about time. I yeah. wish that Apple had made the decision to do it a couple of years ago and maybe been able to you know prevent all of this but i hate that they're doing it because the 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 feds are forcing them that's end of rant yeah i think uh christine i don't well i agree with you like three-fourths um okay yeah, i feel like there, there are two questions here right the first question is is the least is the lesser of the two questions as far as being interesting it's um will USB-C be good in future iPhones and you know i don't look forward to like i'm going to have to take apart two of my cars to replace uh the the cable from the back of the head unit uh because it's got lightning on it i don't look right. forward to that uh but i'll do it i mean just the the simplicity of my life of having um being able to go on vacation and only bring a couple of USB-C chargers um that's that's a net positive as far as i'm concerned um you know i think uh there's not really anything that USB-C does that's worse than lightning in my experience it's better uh something i find with lightning yeah. is you'll get detritus on one side of it and then you're like flipping it upside down and trying to figure out which side will uh connect those pins uh simone just side note uh, if lightning is the first thing you've ever experienced in an iDevice Never try the 30 pin adapter because it was an Oh, S wait, show. shoot. No, I had yes. it. Oh, no. Memory's coming oh, back. Memory's flooding sorry, back. Sorry. Oh, I, no. mean to, I mean to penny wash you here. Those <laughs> were terrible. That was terrible. <laughs> the iPod, the no. iPod. Yes. <laughs> you have to, you have to pinch them on the sides and, and, oh. and yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That was bad. <laughs> so, so, like for this individual instance, I'm fine with it. That said, Christina, I think what you said is is very well set because they would have stuck with the uh, you know the the old standard that's much worse than USB C, um, and, and like just the theoretical question of do we want the EU like mandating this? It's it's a it's a pro and it's a con, right? 
there's there's so much of an incentive for every single device maker out there to make some weird, stupid proprietary connector that when you lose what comes in the box, you're on their website and getting some stupid, um, you know, like proprietary uh, replacement plug sent to you. Well, electrically, it does nothing unique. And that was a lot of the impetus behind this is trying to standardize plugs. It's why, thank God, a lot of the time today, even when there is a proprietary plug, you know, it's it's the base of it more universally goes to USB. That is that is helpful, but as far as this inflexibility of like uh, of like the EU deciding what the standards are on all these devices going forward, I I agree with you, Christina. I can see a trillion ways this could go very very wrong, and and actually stifle innovation. So, um, you know, just bottom line, okay in this instance. USB is a great uh, protocol. It works well. It's durable. Um, it, it seems to not have the problem with gunk that lightning yeah. cables have. No, I, like I'm like I said, yeah. like I'm happy that yeah. the next my next iPhone will not require. Well, here's the the terrible thing though. There's still a number of lightning devices. So like our AirPods and yeah. our AirPods Maxes and other stuff. It'll be a few more years, just like with a 30 pen, before it all catches up. But I'm 100%. happy that I won't have to use a different cable for my iPhone and my iPad and my laptop. I'm yeah. very happy about that. I just don't like how it's being done. It's going to be an incredible percent. world for uh, new MacBook users who are have been on USB-C. But yeah, no, I, I'm, in, I'm in the same boat. Like, am, like, I'll just reiterate the exact same thing. <laughs> am I happy as a person, again, who has held off buying a new iPhone? Am I happy that I'll probably be able to make a nice seamless switch next time I buy one if I buy one in the next couple of years? Absolutely. Do I think this is a really silly issue for a like continental governmental body to be inserting itself into? Yeah, I think it's weird. I mean, even bringing up like companies swindling you with their overpriced chargers and stuff, the net impact of that, I, I mo- most people are on freaking like Samsung phones and iPhones. Yeah. Any, I, I don't think think that this is a like huge issue that's impacting no. millions of people and so Not it's strange remotely. to me yeah it, it 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 seems a dumb thing to like do i will say this i was glad that that jaws at least was like well we're gonna have to support it right like and and, and shared his frustration and whatnot mm-hmm. Because my fear genuinely was that Apple would just be like, okay, we're going to get rid of the port altogether and everybody's going to be forced to, to use MagSafe and wirelessly charge. <laughs> right. Which, okay, that. look, you, you, you're laughing, but but it's a very Apple move. Like it would they, be, It would be the funniest possible outcome. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I agree with you. But I also remember the Apple TV 4K didn't have a freaking USB-C port on it. The Apple, the original Apple TV 4 did. The, the Apple TV 4K didn't. The new one, which I get next week, I, I don't know if, if they added it back or not. But, you know, if that, if that makes diagnosing the thing um, ridiculous. So, yeah, they, they do this where they'll just remove things off of it. So, you know, off of their devices. So I could, I could see them just being like, okay, we're just going to get rid of the port. Uh, I'm at least glad to, to seem like that, at least in the near term, doesn't seem to be that situation. I I know this whole show is running long. I just want to ask a super quick question that I didn't understand from this. One of Apple's uh, responses to Joanna Stern is we think the 
the better environmental decision here is not to do this, which I flat out I mean, don't understand. Yes, that's, um, that's BS. Yeah, their their argument there is that they are going to require people to have to buy all new cables and adapters and replace no. everything on mass, no. which is complete BS. Yeah. That is no. What's going to happen is the same upgrade cycle of people that upgrade will upgrade next time, and they will buy cables. Also, your cables, Apple are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> the official Apple ones are expensive and are the worst. Like They're buy the so ones from Anchor. soft. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, they, they come undone and, and do other things. So I think that is where they're going with the environmental stuff is, oh, think about all the new things you're going to have to do. Come, I, I, Like I said, if you cared about, no, that, yeah, I, I think that's BS personally. It's really frustrating. I mean, like you said, the top the star of this topic, Christina, yeah, they're choosing not to put the charger in the uh, the iPhone box. It was just BS. It was for them. Yeah, and they yeah. tried to say that was environmental. <laughs> then if they're saying environmental to try to dodge uh, you know, regulations, I think all of us are a little iffy on. With the EU, it just seems like a really gross pretext. If they're going to bring that out in ways that hurt their credibility with their messaging, I, I just I, I just want to note that's going to make me a lot less sympathetic to them when they bring mm-hmm. that argument out later. So let's let's not use the environmental claim when it's just BS. Yeah, God. it's greenwashing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to our dessert for the day, uh, which is a very special one to two out of three Rocket <laughs> hosts. Taylor Swift has released a new album called Midnights, and she did it in particularly t- Taylor fashion, dropping teasers and hints uh, before finally dropping. Let's see. It, there was a trailer uh, for a series of music videos and then there was an album release at midnight Mm -hmm. um, which of course had numerical significance and then hours later three hours later at three in the morning there was (gasps) new song even more we we, we got like another seven tracks oh my god she was like by the way these these songs didn't fit on the album but here you go like what you made the album girl why didn't they fit Um, it is, it, it is, uh, reportedly or not reportedly, she says that the songs are inspired by, you know, long midnights, sleepless nights that she's had in her life. So unlike Evermore and Folklore, which are, you know, fictional, lush fictional stories, she's returning to a more autobiographical form of songwriting. Most of the tracks on the album itself are produced by Jack Antonoff, who uh, I will always fondly remember as the star of the conspiratorial PowerPoint about how he had an affair with Lord, which is yes. unconfirmed. Amazing. However, it is a work I, I, of I, art. I, I, it is a work of art, and I don't think it was true, although I love it. it now I think he's engaged to, to uh, Margaret Qualley, I think. Good for him. Um, yeah. All right. So what did you what did you I think as the premier Taylor Swift fan on this podcast, <laughs> Christina Warren, think of the album Midnight's? OK, so my first listen through, I was like, OK, this is a return to pop because it's a lot more similar to Lover than it is to Evermore and Folklore. And I loved those two albums. I loved what she did with Aaron Desner because um, I love The National. It was like some of her best work. I think I loved Red. So the return to more of kind of a, a lover sort of thing, and some of the melodies are even similar. I was kind of like, okay, I'm glad she's back at pop. I don't know if this is maybe my favorite, but but I but I'm glad she's back at pop, and this is good stuff. And then I listened again, 
And this is where Taylor gets you, is she's such an earworm queen that by the time I was like halfway through the second listen, I was like, okay, this is really good. Um, and, and I was starting to appreciate more of the songs. And the more I've listened to it, and I've been listening to it consistently, as have most, as have many, many people, not most people, I would say, but many, many people. Like it's broken all kinds of Spotify records. I think this is going to be the first album to sell more than a million copies since they stopped doing bundling deals, which is mm. when artists would, including Taylor Swift, would, would bundle lots of things together as a way to push more album copies. Um, so it's, it, it's going to be like the first pure sales million seller, um, in, in, in years. Um, and, uh, it, it, uh, like, which is, which is mad and it also like broke all kinds of Spotify, most streamed records and whatnot. But once I was listening to it again, I really started to get into it. And, and I think, uh, the lyrically it's, uh, some of the stuff is, uh, really personal. Like there's the song, uh, mastermind, which is like the, the close of the record, unless you count the 3am tracks, which like, I feel like is mm-hmm. she's honest about certain things with herself, which are, 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 are great. The music videos are really good. The anti-hero music video, I think is fantastic. It's got some great like comedy kind of sec orders in the middle. And then the Bejeweled music video has Laura Dern in it. And, and that's just awesome. And, um, Adita Von Teese and is, is very good. Um, I'm a big fan. I, I'm, I like people are heralding this as like her best ever. I will not go that far. Uh, but I think that this is a very, very good pop album. And I think that it is like definitely better than what Lover was. And, and, uh, the, with the 7am or the 3am tracks, I think like also you bring in a little bit of what some of the folklore stuff was. So I'm very pleased. I'm very happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I definitely think it's better than Lover. I I think after, after like the incredible success of 1989, when it came to reputation and Lover, I was like, there's some good, there's some stuff I'm liking here, but also just some things that I, I don't know, so- sounds right. that did not hit for me. Yes. And then Evermore and Folklore, to me, were just so Ugh. perfect. And this, yes. for me, it's not like 1989, but right. I, I find it so, so listenable, I think. And yes. it, which I, it sounds like a pretty underwhelming compliment when I'm saying it out loud. Um, but you have to consider also that my music taste is garbage. Um, so no, that makes it sound worse. So <laughs> I, I think that they are very like they're, they're entertaining to listen to. I have not yet entered my phase, the phase that you have, Christina, where I am finding deeper meanings in the songs. Um, and I think part of that is because, uh, I, it, it is, a th- this particular pop sound, is not necessarily the one that I'm super drawn right. to. I, no, I and, and, I, and I think you're right. Music. Yeah, yeah, and, and and I would also say like lyrically. No, I, I I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think like lyrically, it's not like her sharpest work. There's some really good stuff in it, but the I think you're right. Like the way the production mm-hmm. is, it's not as if it really lends itself to even listening to the words quite as carefully, right? Like there mm-hmm. are some things that are really good there, but it's almost like you hear the whole vibe, and then you can. Um, I, I don't know, but there are a couple tracks. Like, I, I will say this. Taylor Swift is famous for having terrible opening singles. Like, she's famous for it. Like, Shake It Off. I mean, it's a huge hit, but it is not the best track at all um, on 1989, right? Like, Blank Space uh, or Style are, like, the the, the singles mm-hmm. from that, right? Like, uh, the, the the lead single, Ready, uh, or what was, um, uh, Look What You Made Me Do on Reputation. Yeah. Uh, the Me track from, from Lover. Like, she is, I think we'd have to go uh, with, with Red, 
I think it might have been okay, but um, you know, she doesn't pick great single tracks. Um, I think that Antihero is a great single track. Mm-hmm. I think that is like her, the best she's done in, in at least a decade. To touch on what you said about the lyrics, I I agree, and I I think actually I I like how rough the lyrics can be because there's something about that that fits in with this theme of like yeah. these are stories about just uh, mostly rotten, (laughs) like stressful, sleepless nights. And there's something, I I think a lot of them also were written a long time ago, if I'm not mistaken, Mm -hmm. like she didn't, unlike Evermore. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of like that maybe there's sort of a rawness and an un- studiedness and an awkwardness to some of the lyrics because it's like yes that that's sometimes what it's like at midnight you're not saying something beautiful you're saying something that you look back on the next day and go ooh <laughs> yeah and and, and you're going and, through <laughs> and 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 you're dealing with stuff like you know like there's a lot of self-loathing loathing on the album and and I appreciate that because honestly that's always my favorite part of Taylor Swift is her insecurities and is the fact that like she's this seemingly larger than life person but she like is very upfront about like her anxiety and insecurities and like not feeling good enough. And mm-hmm. that's very relatable. And that is completely evident on the album. And, um, you know, uh, in, in ways that, that, um, again, like kind of reassuring, like, you know, to, to like hear it, but it doesn't feel false. Like it doesn't seem false to me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, I don't, I don't listen to that and be like, Oh, this is someone putting on an act. Right. Like, it seems like, no, this yeah. is like yeah. actually, you know, the, the, stuff that must be going on inside her head sometimes what do you think of the jack antonoff of it all i'm tired of jack a little bit um did you see the tiktok or the the twitter video of the guy who can name okay i love it i love i love the tiktok uh um defector did an interview so there's this guy who basically was able to listen to just seconds sometimes even half a second of a track and immediately tell if jack antonoff had produced it or not um I know that that Jack and Jack has a very certain style. I know that Taylor loves Jack and that like, you know, they're really good friends. And I think he's a good producer and he does some good work. I enjoyed the last the album he did with Lana Del Rey. I really enjoyed the the Lord album. But I'm also I was I really was happy that there were some Aaron Desner tracks on the 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. thing because yeah. I love her and Aaron Desner together. Also, I don't know what the drama is with with Taylor and Max Martin. They had some sort of falling out. He Ooh. wasn't involved in the Red re-recording. Shellback was, but Max Martin was not. Um, I think the, the rumors I read on uh, Demois were, like, money-related, which makes sense. But, like, Max Martin can write with her because she writes all of her own music. But, like, the two of them together, like, make great pop music. So I I like Jack Antonoff better than Joel Little. I didn't like him on Lover, but I... Uh, I, I I am a little sometimes I sometimes he's a little I'm he's a little bit much for me sometimes and I like him he's just he can be a little much yeah yeah Your I thoughts? agree especially once I heard that uh, that uh, video where the guys identifying the tracks as Antonoff produced clarified a lot of things for me about what it means to have a production style uh, so I'll I'll put that in the show <laughs> notes for for everyone to listen to uh Brianna I know you're not a Taylor fan this is not your type of music I, at I, all do I'm you worried. have a I'm worried I feel like I don't know it's like <laughs> it's like if I, I I don't I, I don't want to get hurt yeah that's all I'm saying I respect your Taylor Swift music you're choices not gonna be hurt and um, yeah you're not gonna be hurt I, I didn't listen to it. I don't like it. You don't have to stuff. like it. We're okay. Okay. Sorry. That's fine. 
That's okay. Yeah, it's okay. No, 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 no harm okay. at all. It's, it's, it's completely space. okay. It's a completely safe space. I mean, again, like, I think, you know what I do like about this though, Simone, and, and I know we have to go into um, our, our, our uh, after stuff, but okay, there has, I think, been, and again, this is me overanalyzing Taylor Swift, but this is what I do and this is what I've been doing for a long time. And and frankly, she's asked us to do this a little bit by, you know, uh, putting so much of this, you know, on the page and whatnot. But okay, so she wins the first Grammy uh, for album of the year for Fearless, and she's young and she's the ingenue and whatnot. And then she wins it for like the blockbuster 1989, which was like the cultural album, I think, of like the first half of like the 2010s, right? Like it is like the mm-hmm. like it that and Adele's 21 are like the two albums, but I think that like uh, 1989 is like the kind of like apex, right? Like that's peak Taylor. Yeah. And then she gets the, you know, I thought the reputation now when I listen to it, I think it really works. And I thought it was great live. And when I saw it live is when it clicked. Lover never clicked for me that way. There were some really good tracks, but it never really clicked. And 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 I, I don't think it ever came together. But then she did the artistic, just like renaissance, just amazing work with, with Folklore and Evermore. And she got industry respect from people who usually haven't given her respect. Mm-hmm. So she got like credibility. And I almost feel like now it was kind of nice. It's even people who don't like the music or who are giving it kind of maybe not great reviews. All the, re- the reviews have been largely very positive. Like no one, like the question of like her artistry finally seems to have like gone away. Like people finally seem to be yes. accepting that like she's an actually an artist. And I'm so happy about that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we, we've passed this stage where she's not taken seriously. And even if people are making fun of her for being overdramatic at times, We all get that she's a songwriter. She's got that in the bag. You're so right. All right. Shall we move on to talking about what we are doing this week? Okay. I could tell you about work and the midterms and all that, but I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about something fun and awesome. Have either of you played the new uh, Mario Rabbids, uh, uh, Mario versus Rabbids, uh, Sparks of Hope game? No, not yet. Okay. Okay, Christine, have you ever played XCOM? Yes. So this is like XCOM 2, but it's Mario in the Rabbids universe, and it's this tactical battle game with Mario. But that's not why I'm not excited about this because it's an XCOM type game. I'm excited about this for one reason only. And that is Rabid Peach, who is the best <gasps> character yes. in video game history. So you know her so much. She's like, like tell the audience, she's good, right? She's excellent. Oh my god! <laughs> so, so Rabid Peach is the rabid version of Princess Peach. So she's this really disturbing-looking rabbit. <laughs> and the thing that they did with her is they turned Princess Peach into. A, a a terrible satiric Gen Z stereotype of someone who's obsessed with her phone and like when battle starts she goes girl boss time oh my God. <laughs> and it's so over the top and absolutely hilarious and you love her every second of the way if you don't love rabbit peach you're not a human being i'm sorry uh, so peach so, is like likable now finally yeah yeah this oh is my God. Cold. okay 
I mean, but am I wrong? Yeah, no, you're not wrong at all. She's she's so boring. She has no personality trait whatsoever. But oh, oh, it's a good game. But you take that and just the jauntiness and the unapologetic narcissism of Rabbit Peach. It's just great, and the voice acting is great, and every line is great. So that's what I'm doing this week. Amazing, amazing. Oh wow, personal jinx, uh, Christina. What are you up to <laughs> this week? Okay, so I am getting ready for, we're just a couple um, weeks away now from GitHub Universe, which is um, November 9th and 10th in San Francisco. So I was in San Francisco last week uh, getting some stuff ready. I'm actually going to be going back next week um, ahead of the event. Um, so yeah, so I'm just, there's a ton of stuff kind of going on behind the scenes with work stuff to prepare for that. So I'm doing that and I'm listening to to Taylor Swift's Midnights uh, because of course I am. Excellent. Uh, I am streaming again on Twitch tomorrow with Polygon. Uh, we've got a sponsored stream tomorrow. We're actually playing New State Mobile. Um, so I do just want to tout that. I think it's going to be fun. Last week we had like a reunion of Awful Squad in PUBG with like Griffin and Justin McElroy. And it was super duper fun. Um, and that's on the YouTube channel now, actually, the VOD of that. Um, but that kind of set us up for doing an in-studio stream this week where we're going to be playing like the mobile version of PUBG. And I think it's actually going to be really fun. Um, And that is pretty much what I have been preparing for training up, trying to get good. uh, Can I give you a quick cheat tip with that? Yeah, please do. Okay. So if you have access to a backbone, get it. Oh yeah. Because then you're playing these touch type games with someone and you have a dual stick controller. Mm, I think it, it like might yes. not me- support. I, I feel like I remember bringing this up and it might, I'm using my iPad actually. So I'm going to be, and I volunteered to do that because the bigger screen and stuff, but then I belatedly realized that it's going to be a pain in the butt to hold. So yeah. I am and, just going to be and, suffering. Right. And what's the game again? New state mobile. New state mobile. Okay, I'm trying to see is if it is supported on the backbone because if it is, I mean, I you can. Good. I'm I'm mediocre at Call of Duty, but you put me on Call of Duty like mobile, and you're playing against touch controls. You just wreck everyone in sight. It is. <laughs> it's amazing. You want me to hurt people? <laughs> yes. I want you to win. Come wow. on, killer instinct. What a great lead in to our booster topic where we, we're going to be talking <laughs> about someone who did hurt a lot of people. But before before that, uh, Brianna, where can we find you online? I can find me on Brianna Wu on Twitter for now. And Christina, where are you? Uh, it's film underscore girl on Twitter and the Instagram. And bad news, I just see this uh, top result uh, on, on Google is that, that that PUBG New State does not accept external controllers. Yeah. So, which which makes sense. They're trying to cut down on people doing exactly what we were recommending, Brie. But uh, you can find other future scams uh, in the next segment, but also uh, at film underscore yeah, girl. See, so if you're playing it, you don't need to worry about being destroyed by Brianna using a controller. Exactly. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Oh, and you can find the videos that I do at work uh, at uh, youtube.com slash github the episode that went out last week actually did include um a taylor swift shout out before the album would come out it was already my preemptive pick of the week nice because one as, as one does but uh but that's a fun show that uh that i enjoy making each week and you can find me uh everywhere at doom quasar streaming at twitch.tv slash polygon and at youtube.com slash polygon Thank you so much for listening to this show. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Share it with a friend if you want someone to talk to about it with. And if you are a Relay FM 
member, a subscriber of this show, you are about to hear a booster segment. If you're not, we would really appreciate it if you reviewed the show on Apple Podcasts or, like I said, shared it out. Uh, that helps us find more listeners uh, and helps us make a better show, I think, in the long run. Thank you so much for those of you who are here and listening to me. Uh, we'll see you next week. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.